Welcome back to another episode of the Cold-Blooded Sports Podcast. Today, just going to give a, a recap of things that happened since our last recorded podcast. Um, I think the biggest thing that happened um, in these past few days was last night, the Eagles were able to pull off a blockbuster trade for the Lions disgruntled cornerback uh, Darius Slay. So now I'm going to kick it over to uh, my co-host Rob, who's a big Eagles fan, and let him elaborate on it. Um, <clears throat> Darius Slay, he got traded for a third and a fifth, so the Eagles didn't give up too much, and they were also able to extend him. So a pretty solid deal, three-year, fifty yeah. million. So, yeah, man, the highest-paid corner now above Byron. Um, I think it's a great deal. I'm happy, man. Eagles fans should be pumped everywhere. This is a great cornerback. You can put him on an island against someone's best receiver. And I saw a thing with over, over like the five thousand snaps that he's played so far in his entire career. He's only let two of them be for over fifty plus yards. So, um, you know, the Eagles haven't had a good cornerback like that since Asante Samuel left, and it just really kind of feels relieving to know that there's someone like that locked up for at least four more years. Um, he's obviously cornerback number one. I think he's going to stick to the outside as he should. Um, we have two young guys, you know, Maddox and Sidney Jones, who I want them to be, like, you know, um, trained under Darius Slay with. I think that you can learn techniques from him, and it'll, it'll make them, you know, ten times better, hopefully. But uh, yeah, overall, great scheme fit. Jim Schwartz was the head coach when they drafted him as a, like as a lion. Um, and I heard that Matt Patricia didn't call him a leader, and kind of disowned him when he was uh, training with Akib Talib and Stephon Gilmore this offseason. So that kind of that was what I heard made him want to you know have a trade so bad because Matt Patricia and him never got along, and I don't blame him. But yeah, overall, I'm really hyped to see Darius Slay come over to the Eagles, and uh, hopefully we get some more trades going. But who knows? We'll find out. Yeah, I mean, to just get a player of uh, Slay's caliber for a late-round draft pick, well, a third and a fifth, like not too much capital, getting that yeah. true number one corner, something that the Eagles have looked for for a while. Um, right. And just being able to have that true number one, that's going to elevate those guys around him. So, like, you got you have, like, a Sidney Jones and an Avante Maddox. They're solid corners, but when they're playing next to an elite guy, that's going to boost everybody. It's going to boost the pass rush. It's going to boost everything, having a guy like Darius Slay coming over from that um, – Patricia scheme, he, he was asked to play a lot of man coverage. Um, so he can do a little bit of everything for you. So I think having a guy like that, every team needs a true number one corner and there's not many of them. So when you can get one and, and it, it was, it was a great deal to be able to get him for not that much. Yeah. Um, and so I yeah, think it's I a mean, win for the Eagles. Yeah, for sure. Um, like back to like what you were saying about, you know, having one good person can elevate an entire defense. That kind of can be like what it was with like Richard Sherman and the whole entire other secondary around, you know, the Seahawks. When the Eagles went and tried to, you know, make a big deal for Byron Jones, he only looked, or sorry, Byron Maxwell, he only looked good because he was second fiddle to Richard Sherman. So, I mean, it really shows you like if you let your main cornerback shadow the best receiver and you put your other corners on, you know, mid tier receivers, they're going to play well. They won't be, you know, like the main target being bullied all, 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 you know, game by like Amari Cooper or whoever it might be. But um, also one more thing, it's really important with these comp picks because we got one for Golden Tate, Nick Foles, and Jordan Hicks. We still have eight picks, and um, I think we have three fourth-round picks and a first and a second. So, you know, Roseman isn't scared to trade, and I think it was really important, you know, to, to you know, keep in mind those compensatory picks because, as we see, those can come into a huge trade piece like, like they just did. Yeah, now I want to kind of talk about, like, the Lions side of the deal. I mean, they're losing a top-10 corner, um, and they're bringing in – Desmond Trufant, which we don't really know what he is at this point. And it's kind of been rumored over the past. Like, if you've been looking at mock drafts, they're a heavy Jeff Okuda, Okuda. team. 
And I don't really see the point in trading in a, a number one corner just to get another one. You know what I'm saying? When you could have paired those yeah. two together. So I don't really like the move. I don't really like anything the Lions have done in free agency so far. Uh, I, I think it's it's looking it's not looking good for Patricia. Next season he's going to come in. He's going to be on the hot seat. I think yeah, he's a guy sure. that could they're they're looking to get off of if he continues to just disappoint. When you come into a team and you're a defensive minded coach and your defense is as bad as the Lions are, I mean, what what's your value? I mean, race. So I, I just think for sure. I think for the Lions they have to um, look to evaluate this head coach position and maybe try to find an upgrade and see what you can do, see what you can get. Maybe look to trade some more people. Just either commit to tank and fire Patricia, or you just got to do something different. You can't just keep settling for this mediocrity and this bad defense when you have a defensive coach. <clears throat> right. Well, um, I mean, like, oh, sorry, you can go ahead. No, you're good. I was just. Yeah, I was going to say, like, well, with me, it's kind of like, you know, with the whole Texan situation, because they're trading like a D back for, you know, probably a D back and like the with the fourth pick, it's more of, you know, a whole like oh well we didn't get along type of thing it's not because you know they didn't want to pair up the two people together i feel like at least that's just my opinion i could be wrong but it's it's, it's like with hopkins and bill o'brien they just didn't get along and um that was the case with patricia and darius slay maybe well during but, the uh, season they had been looking to move him so that's yeah, why it's like the, it was yeah, rumored like that somebody were... offered a second round pick for him yep and that's true yep 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 for them so, to I only mean, get a third and a fifth I mean, I just think they mismanaged the whole situation. And if you were planning on moving him then, you probably should have moved him when you could have got something. And it's very similar to what the Texans did with Jadavian Clowney. They waited too long to move him. His value had uh, depleted, and they weren't able to get a lot. So, yeah. I mean, I just think the Lions, they just really need to just reevaluate the whole organization. It's going to be a long rebuild. Feel sorry for Matt Stafford. Hopefully he can find a way to get out of Detroit. I mean, we don't even know if he's ready to play because he has that back injury. Mm -hmm. Um, so, yeah. and with Speaking that, we can transition the, the to NFC another North, yeah, yeah. team. The Bears, the Bears. The Bears have Mitchell Trubisky, but they mm. needed somebody to push him. So they traded for Nick Foles. Now, Nick Foles, he's very familiar with Nagy, and a lot of those guys, can't, um, I believe Felipe, Filippo was in Philly with him. Um, yep. So Trey they're familiar, there. familiar um, teammates, coaches. Um, I don't really know how I feel about it because I don't know if it's necessarily a big upgrade, but then again, Mr. Bisky is not the guy. And I think they're messing up just trying to prove it and make him the guy. And I think that's what separates good organizations from bad organizations. When you mess up, you just have to deal with it and just move on um, instead of trying to force it. And I, I think they're trying to force Trubisky and Nick Foles is obviously the better player. I mean, when yeah. you got all these big targets, like, Nick Foles, when he was at his best, he had a big body receiver, a guy that can go underneath. <clears throat> and that's kind of similar with, with, with to what the Bears have with um, Allen Robinson and um, Anthony Miller in the slot. They have some guys that could really help Nick Foles. The offensive line is solid. So, I mean, I think with Nick Foles, they have a higher ceiling than they do with Trubisky because Trubisky is just so inconsistent. Trubisky will play – he'll play three – like this past season, he played three great games in a row. And then the rest of the season, he was absolutely garbage. So – I just think for mm -hmm. them, you're taking on a lot of money. Um, but if you think that's an upgrade, you have to do it. And for the Jags, I love this for the Jags. The Jags admitted that they messed up. They went all in. Uh, they're they're one of the few teams that went all in trying to win a Super Bowl, and now they're paying for it um, with just 
what they did with Blake Bortles, giving him that extension, Ramsey, it really just it rooted that. the whole team. And now they're just trying to tear it down and restart with Gardner Minshew. And you don't even know if he's the guy. So Jacksonville, I think it's good for them to get more picks because they need picks. They have a lot of holes. Um, but yeah, for the Bears, I mean, it's it's more of a lateral move. It's not really a upgrade necessarily. But I think Nick Foles can do some good things for the Bears and maybe get them into that wild card conversation since we're adding a new playoff team, a seventh team to the playoffs. Maybe the Bears could sweep in there um, with the Vikings losing some key players. Their whole secondary has gone. Uh, trading Stephon, Stephon Diggs, Diggs, obviously, yep. is going to be a big hole. So maybe their team, Nick Foles can get them to the playoffs, and maybe that magic kicks in again, and he becomes the Nick Foles that won Super Bowl MVP. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, you pretty much hit it all on all cylinders. I mean, like, Nick Foles will be, you know, the guy who Trubisky's like, okay, well, maybe I need to actually try my hardest now that there's competition here. But um, also, I just feel like Nick Foles is still, you know, all around a better player. Maybe he, he's not better at scrambling, of course, we know that, but – um. I think he has by far a better arm, better accuracy, and he's probably more of a leader. I also saw that, um, you know, players like Cordero Patterson and all of that, they were trying to recruit other quarterbacks like Teddy Bridgewater to the team on social media. And it's like, you know, if, if you're Trubisky, how do you feel knowing that you're losing, you know, your locker room? Like your, your receivers that you have to have A1 chemistry with are trying to recruit other people to your team to take your position. You know what I mean? So hopefully, you know, people – in, in Chicago figure it out fast. But um, overall, I do think that Nick Foles takes the job coming up this uh, this next season. Yeah, I mean, and, it's, and it just shows you, like, the Bears, they did everything right to win a Super Bowl. Look at their roster from top to bottom. They have elite players at every position except quarterback. So it just shows you how hard it is to find a quarterback. And if you think you have a, a guy that's not necessarily good, it could hinder your franchise, and it costs them a chance at maybe making a run at the Super Bowl with that roster they had a couple years ago. Because yep. they messed up at quarterback. They had a chance to get Deshaun Watson. Or Watson. They had a yeah. chance to get Patrick Mahomes. But they whiffed, and they have to deal with it. And I think if the Bears would have moved on sooner and admitted it and stopped trying to mask it and just admit you messed up, maybe they end up being able to get something more for Trubisky. Maybe you trade him. Maybe something of that nature. Instead of just – they're essentially just going to let him go because I don't think they're going to pick up a fifth-year option next year. I would um, hope not. But anyways, on the more on the quarterback carousel, um, Phillip Rivers is going to head to Indianapolis on a one-year deal worth $25 million. Um, I actually like this fit. Um, in, the Chargers have never given Phillip Rivers an offensive line. Um, and Phillip Rivers isn't that uh, gunslinging quarterback he used to be. His arm's gotten weak, weaker than it yeah. used to be. So I think with Indy, they have enough receivers that are good at getting open. you got a T.Y. Hilton. Uh, you got hopefully you can get something out of Paris Campbell, their second round pick from last year. But I, I think it's a good fit for the Colts because Jacoby Brissett, he's a nice quarterback, but he, he's probably the best backup type. He's like a the 32nd best quarterback. He's oh, for sure. the best backup in the league type deal. So I think it's a good move for them to get a veteran quarterback to because, I mean, the, the a, uh, AFC South isn't looking that good outside of Tennessee. I think Tennessee is yeah, probably the favorite, but that could be Tennessee, a, you know, a sneaky uh, seventh seed. Yeah, because, I mean, Tennessee, um, who knows? I mean, are, are, is Ryan Tannehill going to uh, play at this high level? Because Or is he going to re regress back to what he was in Miami as a, a yep. middle-of-the-pack quarterback? Because he played like a top-ten quarterback over that 10-game uh, stretch when he was a starter. Yep, and then also, you know, will teams game plan for Henry strictly and, you know, make Tannehill be great in order for them to win games too? So, you know, things like that. 
Yeah, but I mean, for the Colts, I mean, getting a guy that is is more reliable at the position, like Jacoby Brissett's a solid starter, but he doesn't have that high upside of a Phillip Rivers to where, you know, in the games on the line, I know the Chargers haven't been clutch, but I have more faith in Phillip Rivers to make a big drive to win me the game than I do Jacoby Brissett. It's nothing against Jacoby Brissett. Um, he's a fine player, but Phillip Rivers is a clear upgrade. And for the Colts, it's a one-year deal, $25 million. You have a lot of cap space, so it's not hindering you. It's kind of giving you a, another year to maybe evaluate the position. If it doesn't work, it's only a one-year deal. And who yeah. knows? They have the um, they they don't have a first-round pick anymore, but they have the second they have the second pick in the second round from the Redskins when the Redskins traded up last year to get Montez Sweat. So they still have some capital. That's a pretty valuable pick. Maybe they trade back up into the to the later end of the first round to get a uh, maybe a guy is falling or something. So this move allows them to be have that flexibility to still look for a quarterback but it gives them an immediate upgrade right now. So I think it's a, a win-win move. Um, the Colts are one of the uh, more well-run organizations in the league. So I have pretty good faith in that, that it'll work. But if it doesn't, you're not hindered long-term. So it's a win-win for the Colts. Shout out to Chris Ballard, my guy. Uh, I love what he's yeah. doing so far. One more little that, uh, problem. Oh, go ahead. One more little thing, too. Uh, Frank Reich, the new head coach for them, actually was the coordinator for the Chargers. In, oh, yeah, in San Diego. Yeah. So they already have, you know, previous connections. So, you know, I'm sure that they'll keep the same offense that Rivers was used to. Um, and hopefully it'll give them, you know, a head start on knowing the offense and being successful next year. But, uh, yeah, with that, let's go talk about Tom Brady to Tampa Bay. Let's talk about some pros with this, Nick. Go ahead and start it off, man. Well, I think the pros is that Tom Brady has – elite weapons when you have a guy and mike evans he's more of that big body contested guy then opposite of that you have chris godwin who's more of the separator route runner and also oj howard if Mm -hmm. if the if the bucks can get anything out of oj howard this season it's an immediate win for tom brady we all know tom brady loves his tight ends and oj howard is definitely one of the better tight ends in the league he's a good run blocker he could do a little bit of everything and just it, it wasn't working last year so hopefully brady can elevate him so I, I think him having those weapons is uh, the biggest pro of him joining the team. Another pro for me would be having a Bruce Arians type of coach. Um, Bruce yeah, Arians is sure. definitely going to gonna put his arm around Tom Brady, something he's never had. Uh, maybe Brady has more flexibility with the offense. But that's kind of a con, too. One of my cons for this move is that Bruce Arians' system is based on deep shots. And Tom Brady doesn't have that arm like he used to have. Like he's not, he's 43 years old. His arm has gotten a little bit weaker. He's not throwing it to Randy Moss like he did in 2007 as deep. He can't do that anymore. So uh, I think that's probably one of the cons. Cause I think if you're looking at it, uh, fit wise, Jameis Winston is the perfect quarterback for Bruce Arians system. Oh yeah, but Jameis totally. Winston just doesn't have the processor to be able to read the defense and not throw it to linebackers. Um, yeah. in the middle of the field and just so I mean it, it's good that he has weapons now because in New England he didn't have the best weapons the offensive line was eh. I mean Tampa's offensive line is eh too but maybe they can get a tackle maybe a tackle falls to them at 14 I believe they picked 14th um, mm-hmm. something of that nature and it's also rumored that a lot of guys are interested in coming to Tampa now that they have Tom Brady so that's another yeah. pro for the Bucks and Tom Brady uh, maybe they can get some some of these guys to take a little bit less money to try to make a run at the Super Bowl. Um, so who knows with that? So I don't I don't know what you'd want to say about the pros and uh, cons of Brady well, to Tampa. 
one pro I have for sure is that, you know, having someone of Tom Brady's caliber, you know, going into the Hall of Fame, six-time champion, he's going to be, you know, making the whole team motivated. That's going to make the offense, you know, want to go up there and make plays because, you know, you, like you feel honored as a Buccaneer for someone, you know, like for Tom Brady to leave his legacy in New England and come play for your team because he picked you guys for a reason. You know what I mean? So with that being said, you want to go out there and show him that he made the right choice picking your team. And not only that, you go from Jameis Winston, no offense, but, you know, from him to Tom Brady. And it's like, wow, holy shit. Excuse my language. But Tom Brady is like, you know, that's you, you can't not everyone can say that they played with Tom Brady in, in their career. And that just makes them want to go out there and ball. So that's my pro. Um, a con, though, is, you know, Tom Brady is no I mean, OK, of course, he didn't have receivers in, in, in uh, New England, but we know that Tom Brady likes to uh, pass to his running backs. Um Hopefully he can, you know, adjust from that. And like you were mentioning, his arm isn't as big as it used to be. So maybe he doesn't, you know, take as many deep threats or deep shots um, because, you know, they lost Perriman. But I don't know. Hopefully he tries to avoid, you know, passing out to that running back out of the backfield. Um, hopefully he tries to, like, you know, become more of, of a big time play caller and, uh, you know, playmaker. But who knows? We'll find out. Yeah. And, and uh, another thing for Tampa, too, is – um. For them to be able to sign Brady to, I believe it's a $30, $30 million a year deal or whatever. That's what it's rumored to be. It also allows them to put the franchise tag on Shaq Barrett. I believe they already did, but that's going to help that defense. Because, I mean, uh, in that in that conference, that division, you're going to need defense. So I think they really need to build his defense. And as you were saying, he likes his running backs um, to be able to throw too short. Deion Lewis could be a great fit here if yeah. they kind of implement that Brady-like scheme. He got cut from the Titans. I think that'd be a great fit. Um, to offset if they still believe in Ronald Jones, maybe have him as the third down back, um, bring him in, um, maybe even try to take a swing at a Julian Edelman, just bring in guys that Tom Brady does trust um, outside sure. of those two elite receivers. So, I mean, that's, that's a pretty good move. And I mean, there's also a pretty good running back in theory that just got released. <laughs> that could be an upgrade. And yeah, speaking uh, of the devil, I think that's what we can transition to next. Yep. Let's talk um, about Todd Gurley, man. Release the Rams. Today. Yeah, released Todd Gurley. They're another team that went for it all. Um, gave out these massive contracts, trying to sell tickets to that L.A. market. The, it's just crazy that they've cut him, and he hasn't even got to the extension part of his deal yet because they signed him early. Um, so I believe it's uh, $20 million in dead cap over the next two years. So it's Sounds a hefty right. price to cut Todd Gurley. Um the yeah, problem I mean, with Todd Gurley is he's not what he used to be. He's suffering from a degenerative knee problem, arthritis. Um, so he's never going to be that elite running back. He can't take the wear and tear. Um, so I don't I, like it's crazy that they just couldn't find a trade partner. Yeah, but like, that just shows you couldn't you, find even like a seventh or a sixth round pick. Like that's just it crazy. just shows you how devalued the position has come. Yeah. Um, when you're a guy that's picked tenth overall. Um, elite prospect coming from Georgia, looking like one of the top running backs. He was the best running back in the league at one point, similar to David oh, no Johnson. Doubt. No doubt. Um, and it's just crazy how it's just a replaceable position. It's nothing against the guys that are at the position, but it's just easy to find somebody else. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's pretty crazy. He, he, with his release, um, Josina Anderson reported that his two favorite destinations are going to be the Falcons and Miami. Uh, the Falcons make sense because they released Devontae Freeman after signing him to a big contract. That's kind of a theme here we're seeing. All these running backs have been released or traded that signed big contracts. Also, we've seen um, David Johnson get traded, Gurley yep. released, and Freeman released. So, yep. 
I don't know um, what that means for the running back position. But what kind of makes me confused is that, you know, didn't the Dolphins just sign Jordan Howard? They did to a two-year deal worth $10 million. Maybe Tampa gets in on the Tom Brady. Or uh, Gurley. I mean, Um, Gurley. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, but hopefully, you know, the Dolphins – because Jordan Howard left Philly to not be like this, you know, because he wants to have his own team. You know, like if if he would have stayed in Philly, he would have been, you know, like a rotational back. I think that Jordan Howard went to Miami to, you know, try and like set in stone his own, you know, his own team as, you know, as the running back. But I mean, yeah, I would agree more with him going to the Falcons than the Dolphins. The Dolphins aren't in any chance of contending. Um, they're still kind of like rebuilding and they don't have an O-line. So I don't see the point of that. I, I mean, the Falcons, they have, you know, a, a far better O-line and I think they have more weapons around them. And also you have Matt Ryan as your quarterback. So I would approve of him going to the Falcons more than the Dolphins. But then again, the Dolphins, you know, Florida has no state tax. Um, and also, you know, Florida, it's South Beach. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. Todd Gurley, it, it sucks. You know, he was, as Nick alluded to, he was, you know, the best running back in the league at one point. It just shows you MVP how. MVP caliber player. Yeah, I mean, it, it just shows you how you can be so good and just like that, you're gone. I mean, it's kind of like Le'Veon Bell with the Steelers. Like, the Steelers were like, oh, my God, you know, we need Le'Veon. And then the next year, um, James Conner comes in and, you know, no one even cares about Le'Veon anymore. So it just shows you how versatile that position is and how easily you could just be swept under the rug. Yeah, I think <laughs> the league has kind of been put on notice by all the, the transitions, transactions between these these teams and these running backs on their second contracts is that it's not really worth it. Um, there's too much wear and tear on their tires. Um, yeah. they, they go through three years of college for some two years if they redshirt. Um, and that's a lot of carries. I mean, you look at a guy like Derrick Henry. He had so many carries his senior year or his junior year before he came out. And it's eventually going to catch up to him. And I just think these teams are just getting t- – they're not going to keep wanting to pay these running backs after they – Yeah, no doubt. It's just like – you. it's like a factory. You can just – you wear them down and go get a new one. And it's a sad reality for that position. Yeah. But it's kind of just like in basketball. Like they, there's not a true center anymore or a true power forward. We're looking for shooters. You want to have that spacing, and it's just the way that the NFL is. It's more spread. You're looking for a running back that can be more of a receiver, like a Christian McCaffrey, yeah, um, a one type running that back can like do that. It all. I mean, so. yeah, because like we we saw with like Demarco Murray, for example. You know, he balled out for the Cowboys, and the Eagles took a big whiff on him, and like he didn't do anything. Um, so you know, I was gonna make an argument that maybe power backs could be, you know. The, like the ones that last the longest, but I feel like they probably wouldn't, um, you know, maybe, I mean, like someone like Zeke, maybe I would consider, you know, giving them a, you know, him a max deal because that is the Cowboys offense. But like, I don't know if they, if, if I would give anyone else that's a power back that big of a deal, you know, like you said, you know, McCaffrey's or Camaras might get a big deal, but I don't know about anyone else. Yeah. Another guy that I want to bring up is Austin Eckler. I mean, he's a guy, he got a, he got a second contract. But he's more of a receiver than a running back. So I think that's what the way the league is going to start thinking, seeing what the Chargers did with him and yeah. letting go of a star running back, a star caliber running back in Melvin Gordon, just letting him walk out the door because they found a guy in Austin Eckler that can – He's well, he's not as good as running between the tackles. He can still get it done, and he's a better receiver. So I think that's the trend going forward in the NFL. Yeah. Um, All right. Um, and, yeah, I want to talk about the Raiders. Last year, the Raiders had one of the worst defense in the leagues. Um, Drafting it, it was horrible. There, there, yeah, they had a horrible draft. I don't know why people think they had a great draft. In the first round, they drafted 
a guy that should have been a second round pick in Cleveland Farrell. They drafted a running back while he was Who's an impactful okay, player. When when you trade Khalil Mack, you can't replace him with a running back. Then Jonathan yeah. Abram, which or it, that was the Cowboys pick or something. The Cowboys pick was um, or one of them was uh, Mack or whatever. It was right. uh, they drafted Abram and um, the running back to replace yeah. Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper. And it's like, you, those are two positions of value. It's kind of like we were talking about with the Texans. Edge and receiver are more valuable than a box safety and a running back. A running back. And it's Josh Jacobs <laughs> As is a we fine just player. talked about. <laughs> He's a fine player, but what did it do for the Raiders? It didn't do anything for Nothing. them wins and losses. It's kind of like Saquon Barkley to the Giants. He mm-hmm. might be the best pure running back when you look at, if you, if you wanted to build a running back, you would build Saquon Barkley. What has it done yep. for the Giants? Not it didn't improve thing. their win loss thing. So, um, this year, I love what they did. The line, uh, the linebackers for the Raiders last year, Tahir Whitehead, horrible in coverage. Mm-hmm. I love what they did. They went out and signed uh, Nick Kwiatkowski from the Bears, solid in coverage. And then they, they steal Corey Littleton from the Rams, who uh, quietly emerged as one of the best pass coverage linebackers in the league. And he signed a three year, $36 million contract. So you're getting an elite coverage linebacker for $12 million a season, which is an absolute steal. You're looking at a guy yeah. like C.J. Mosley. He's getting paid, I believe, 17 a season. And Something he's okay crazy. in coverage, but he's more of a run stuffer. They're getting a guy that's an elite pass coverage linebacker, which is going to be needed in that division when you're going against an Austin Eckler out the backfield, all the weapons yeah. that the Chiefs have. And the uh, the Broncos also have a nice little scat back. Phillip Lindsay, they got some good receivers out there too. So having that coverage linebacker um, to be able to match up with the Broncos tight end Noah Fan as well, and all those uh, and Kelsey, Travis Kelsey, Kelsey, Damian yeah. Williams, uh, who else we got? Hunter Henry, Austin Eckler, as you just said. Yeah, I mean that's pretty crucial. You know, someone like that that can be your captain of your defense, and also you know like you're not going to get beat over the middle. You know, on a crazy route that shouldn't be something that you get beat on. But yeah, going back to what you were saying. Yeah, and also for that, that that move allows them to maybe instead of having to pick a position like that in the draft, now yeah. with their first pick, they can look at a receiver, they can look at a corner, another position of need type deal. Instead of having to, we have no coverage linebackers, we have to get one and take one before you want to. Maybe have to take a, a Patrick Queen a little early or a Kenneth Murray a little early because I don't think they're going to be able to get Isaiah Simmons. So it allows them to have more flexibility with the draft and be able to take best player available, which I think is the best philosophy to have for teams. Mm -hmm. Um, Anything else you want to say about the Raiders? Nah, I mean, John Gruden's a happy guy. Um, Let's let's move on to Jadavian Clowney. Jadavian Clowney is unhappy right now with the offers he's getting in the market. Um, he came into the offseason, you know, thinking he was going to get a huge deal. Um, and just teams just don't want to give him the money, like the money that he wants. So we don't really know where he wants to go or what teams are offering him. But um, where should he go, Nick? Like, where do you think he wants to go and where and what teams should he go to? Um, it's definitely going to be some of these needier edge teams. So I think the Eagles could use him. I think both teams in New – actually, all three teams in New York could need him, use him. Um, Maybe the Ravens, maybe maybe the Colts. I don't know if I already mentioned them. They have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But I, I just think the thing with Clowney is he's a great player, elite run defenders, and he's a good pass rusher. That's kind yeah. of the thing with Clowney's. When, when we draft when he was drafted number one overall, everybody thought he was this he was gonna be the next 
elite tier edge rusher on that Vaughn Miller, Khalil Mack level, and he's just not. He's just a, he's great against the run and a good pass rusher. And I think a lot of teams need more pass rush. And when you're looking at a guy like Clowney, he just doesn't offer that. Like, yeah. you want him to be. It's like he he's a very polarizing player. It's like right. you see his highlights when when he's out on the top of his game. He he's in that tier with those guys, but it's not consistent. It's like a week it's to once week every thing. four games or whatever, like, you know. This past year against um San Francisco, he dominated that game. He was the best defensive player on the field. But then again, the next week you'll tune in and he's just not there. So that's a problem with him, is like he he's never been consistent. Like you want you want him to be great because you turn on the tape, you see that hit against Michigan in that bowl game. You see just how much <laughs> of a freak athlete he is, and you you want him to be that elite elite edge rusher, and he's just not. Um, maybe oh yeah, and another team. Maybe the Seahawks want to bring him back, but yeah, I did um, see that. It's also rumored that they were interested in Matthew Judon and Yannick Ngakwe, so maybe they're not high on Clowney. Um, I don't hence, know. they didn't franchise tag him or anything of that nature. Well, so I think for you know. Clowney. Go ahead. Some, I mean, for me, I feel like like the Seahawks might feel obligated to maybe want to bring him back if they don't get Judon or Ngakwe because they they gave up like what a second round pick for him or something like that. A third. Yeah, I mean, if a third. And with this draft class, you know, there's a lot of people that that are going to be there in the third round still. So maybe they feel obligated to bring him back because you know, hey, we gave up a third for him. We should probably keep him and give him you know one more year or something like that. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to you know. For like like for for a team to give him a one year prove it deal like prove to me that you're consistent as Nick was talking about, um, but yeah I did hear that he wants to go to the Giants or any team in New York, but um, if the market's just not there for him I wouldn't be surprised to see him just maybe stay with Seattle because he knows the team already. But uh, yeah, back to you, man. Yeah, and at least with Seattle, if they do lose him, they'll get a comp pick back, so True. it's not the end of the world. You can get that third round pick back. I just think that the the Seahawks defense hasn't been the same since they lost that pure speed rusher off the edge like Cliff Averill. So I think for them, they would rather have a guy like Yannick rather than Matt Judon and Clowney who are more power rushers. I think Yannick would be a perfect fit in Seattle, but I just don't know if they're willing to part with the capital to get him and pay him. Um, but I think for them, that would be a great move. And and we can transition into Yannick. Um, yeah, as you were. You were excited earlier. Yannick. Yannick was flirting with the Eagles all day on his Instagram. Yeah. Yannick so I'll, I'll let is, you talk about that. Yannick is leading Philly fans on, man. It's not fair. Yannick Ngakwe has been posting pictures of Reggie White, an Eagle emoji, and he's been liking Eagles media people's tweets on Twitter talking about him having interest going there. Um, would I love Yannick as an Eagles? Yes, but not for a first-round pick. I wouldn't be opposed to a second round pick, but we need a receiver bad. And Roseman knows that, our GM. And I feel like we would be dumb to give up a first round pick. And Gakwe, I believe he has, um, I think he has like more sacks than our, you know. Okay, so we drafted Derek Barnett with the 14th or something like that pick three years ago. And Ngakwe has more sacks than, than he has, and I think less seasons than him. And he's only 24, too, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, he wants to get paid. I would not be opposed to the Eagles paying him if they were to trade for him. But um, you know, a team with a D line like Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, and um, and Yannick would be deadly. So I, for one, would love it, but I would not want to give up too much for him because we do not need a def- we don't need a D end that bad. 
Um, it would be nice to have him, but I'm not going to gamble my future for my quarterback getting an elite receiver possibly for a D end. But that's just my opinion. Yeah, and realistically, um, because you're going to have to pay him, teams don't – most of the time teams will take a second. Uh, I feel like a second-round pick is what the Jags are looking for for Yannick just right. because a team is going to have to pay um, pay him. And also, I mean, yeah, like you, like in Seattle too, I think he'd be a great fit for you guys as well because you guys don't really have that pure speed rusher off the edge that I can yeah, think we of. Yeah, we don't. I don't know if nah. I'm forgetting anybody because you got uh, a guy well, and Brandon Graham. You could say Josh Sweat, but Josh Sweat is Yeah, he's, he's more of a rotational. He's like a yeah. third, third, fourth edge rusher that you bring in, but they don't have that pure number one type speed rusher. No we one like, like Brandon Burns. Graham. Brandon Graham is more of that bigger body. In, uh, he can play inside, out type guy yeah. they if they could get a pure speed rusher that really helped that defense and mm-hmm. i mean it depends on how much he'd want i don't know if yannick and gakaway is necessarily resetting the edge rusher market um maybe something a little bit less than those top tier guys yeah because i kind of feel like he's in that tier uh be- below those elite i think guys. he's, he's below that, mac and vaughn but he's he, he he's above he's people. in there I mean, with yeah he's in there he's in, in there with, with maybe i would say like yeah jadavian or like, cam jordan yeah, yeah. So maybe Cam Jordan's I mean, above. If the Eagles can land him for a second, that's ideal, um, because you'd have to extend him, obviously. So that'd yeah. leave them flexibility to go get a receiver in the first round, add Yannick to that defense, and finally get get some. Pre- and also adding Slay to that. If, if you came yeah. away with Slay and Yannick, and you getting a, a good receiver in the he, first and round, he didn't even sign. That's anybody. a great. That's great for Philly. <laughs> Um, yeah, what's also important to – I'm sorry to cut you off. I, this is just really important to me. It's, you know, like a great D-line can cover up a bad secondary. And I'm not saying that Slay's making the secondary bad. He's making it ten times better. Well, kind of like San Francisco. Like yeah, they had I mean, one like, good yeah. – they had one great corner like, and a bunch of just eh guys. But because exactly. that pass rush was so elite. Like Nick Bosa, um, DeForest Buckner, and Eric Armstead, they're making the quarterback hurried so fast that your corners yeah, don't you can, need to have you can a have an Emmanuel Mosley out there. Yeah, I mean, like, look toasted. at the year when we had, you know, Ronald Darby and Jalen Mills as our cornerbacks. You know, like, we survived. I mean, we won that game because Brandon Graham got a strip sack on Tom Brady. So, I mean, it just shows you having a great D-line. And the Eagles have always, pr- like, prioritized having a great trench. Um, it just shows you, you know, having a great D-line can can actually win you championships. But that was just what I wanted to point out because it's really important. No, I mean, yeah, I, I think for Philly, if you, if you were able to walk away with those two guys in free agency, it's a huge win. Um, we'll see what they do in the draft. Maybe they could possibly trade up, get get one of those elite receivers, or just have somebody fall to them. I, uh, I mean, I, either way, if you can come away with Yannick and Slay, I wouldn't. I'd be pretty happy with that. Um, yeah. Another signing that I want to talk about that I think is kind of under the radar hasn't really been talked about a lot is Chris Harris going to the Chargers. Um, I don't necessarily I don't like where he fits. I don't know where he fits because yeah. they already have Desmond King in the in the slot. I don't Casey know if they want to move him outside. outside. Um, but I think yeah. I think Harris can play outside. And it's more of a zone scheme. It's that Seattle cover three scheme. So I, I don't know how the fit will work, but I mean, getting an elite guy, elite slot corner like that for that cheap, maybe Desmond King does have the flexibility to play outside. We've never seen it. Because Casey, like Casey Hayward was a pure slot corner in Green Bay, came mm-hmm. out to uh, the Chargers, and he became one of the better outside corners. So you never know um, what you got until you try it. Um, and either way, I mean, Ba- uh, NFL teams base defense is basically nickel 
So you, you need that position. It's a very valuable position. And Chris Harris can still offer a lot. Um, as an outside yeah. corner, he's he's solid. I mean, you going against number two receivers, you can live with Chris Harris Sustainable. as your number two. So, I mean, yeah. I just think that getting him on that deal um, is a lot better than going and overpaying a guy like James Bradbury. Um, so that's why I really liked it for the Chargers, being able to get him for a two-year, $20 million contract, which is less than a lot of these guys are getting. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I think on a va- just a value standpoint, I really like it. I don't know where he's going to play, but They'll I think it's a good problem sure. to have. So Yeah. I like how they have um, Derwin James, Nazir Adderley, and all of them, you know. Like, that's a pretty good secondary, you know. Um, I wouldn't say that their D-line is, you know, that special anymore, But uh, besides Joey Bosa. But, um, I mean, like, that secondary is going to be really good. <clears throat> Moving yeah, on. We can, we can hang on. I want to talk about the Chargers quarterback plan, too, because they oh, came okay. out that they're rolling with Tyrod Taylor. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, they were in the long. Brady sweepstakes. <laughs> not until April. They were in the Brady sweepstakes, and it's been apparent to them that Tom is going to Tampa. Um, so I just think for them, I think Tyrod can be that. Per- he's a perfect bridge quarterback. Um, now at six, I don't know who they're going to be able to get. Probably. I don't know if a two is still there, but. Maybe a Herbert, and if you could have Herbert and let him sit behind um, Tyrod, it's a good deal um, for them. And I just think the Chargers need to find that quarterback. Maybe they take a, a chance on a Jameis Winston, maybe something along those lines. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to yeah. do a quarterback, but Tyrod is in the long term answer. Um, yeah, well, we'll the Chargers are an interesting team. So I mean, because they really need another tackle with that first pick. So maybe they're a team that that goes best player with their first pick. Maybe they come up um, in the later end of the first, like the Colts can, and maybe try to get um, a Jordan Love if he's falling, a Herbert. Maybe they take a chance on an Eason, somebody of that nature. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of those guys, but if you can sit him and and you like his his physicals, then um, we've seen it work, we've seen it fail. So I just think they're in a very interesting spot. Yeah. And for the the last thing I want to talk about today is what the just, whole world's um, talking about. Yeah, what the whole world's talking about. Came out today that uh, the Saints head coach, Sean Payton, he is the first um, NFL person associated with the NFL to have the coronavirus. And um, it's just crazy how this whole thing is just taking over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, Ruining everyone's sports lives. And yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just crazy how fast it's spreading. And I just encourage everybody to just stay safe, wash your hands. Take care of your business. Stay away from gotta... people within 10 feet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it's just crazy. You know, like, you know, you think that it can't happen to you until it happens to you. Because with viruses like this, they spread like crazy. You know, you could be talking to one person who's been somewhere like, you know, an airport, for instance. And people travel through, like, through the airport like crazy. And, you know, you just don't even know it, but you might have it. I, I heard that there's symptoms that can, you know be hidden for at least 14 days or at most 14 days so i mean bottom line is just be be cautious you know make sure that you're doing your due diligence you know you're you're staying hygienic um you're not going to mass gatherings like people in florida are right now um yeah and just you know as as long as we as you know a whole make sure that we're doing our job this is going to get you know completely taken care of in months um but yeah i mean it's just crazy you know because like this is the first you know, like aside from us with the NBA for the NFL, this is the first one that hits close to home because, you know, a head coach 
he was at the combine, you know. That's what I was he just was, gonna say. Like the yeah, combine, like he like was he was all at the those combine. coaches. He's been at pro days, I'm sure, before they got canceled. You know, exactly. You know, he talks to other coaches. He talks to players before they sign. So it's just crazy. Just being in the facility, leave. him being yeah, in the facility, you know, him I, touching a handrail. They're there all the time. Exactly, like like him touching a handrail, him eating food, and like using like one of those things to pick things up. It's it, it can get transferred so easily, um, and it's crazy. Like we saw with the NBA, you know, you know Kevin Durant has it now. First it was Rudy Gobert, and then Donovan Mitchell, and then someone on the Pistons had it. So I mean, it's it's spreading pretty fast, and you won't you don't even know you have it. Like people are are um they're not showing symptoms, but they test positive for it. So, you know, like, it's just crazy because I think that he said that he went to some horse race or whatever on Saturday and he didn't feel well. And he came back and got tested on Sunday. And then he found out um, yesterday that he had it. So, yeah, I mean, it's just crazy. Uh, with that, anything else you want to say before we wrap this up? Um, we do hope to have an- another mock draft coming out post free agency by uh, next Friday. So um, stick around and stay tuned for that because there will be some, you know, some trades going on in that, as you guys have seen with the Colts. Um, and there might be some surprising ones, you know, some risers, some fallers going on with, you know, who, like what team signed what. But, uh, yeah, stick around for that next week. All right. And as always, if you're watching this on YouTube, please like, comment, subscribe. Let us know how you feel. Check out our Twitter page at Cold-Blooded um, Chat. Um, interact with us. We're always posting latest news. Um, if there was sports going on, we'd post clips of uh, stuff of that nature. And as always, thank you guys for listening and have a wonderful day. Stay safe out there.